Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Shoo fly, don't bother me. It's high noon for Thursday, October 8th, 2020. And we had a debate last night. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And this morning, everyone's talking about a fly. A fly landed on Mike Pence's head and stayed there for a while. Very rude of that fly. But the important point is that did not deter from Mike Pence absolutely positively annihilating Kamala Harris in that debate. It is no surprise to me that stupid and petty people are focused on the fly rather than the utter dismantling of the Biden campaign and the exposing of Kamala Harris as the fraud every Democrat knows she is. There's a reason that Kamala Harris had to drop out of the primaries before the voting started. She received zero delegates. Tulsi Gabbard received a delegate. Tulsi Gabbard also demolished Kamala in one of the debates on her record as district attorney. So overall, last night, the debate was obviously more low-key than the presidential debate last week. And people have the impression that Mike Pence was interrupting Kamala Harris, which he was not really doing any more so than she was. He interrupted her a couple of times because she was straight up lying about objective facts. Um, But mostly what he did was talk over the moderator trying to cut him off. So apart from the rules, and I understand that the moderator has the ability to interrupt and try to cut them off. But that was the only interrupting going on. It wasn't coming from Mike Pence. 
And it turns out that despite people's perceptions, Kamala Harris did actually have more time speaking in that debate. Okay. So while her speech was uninterrupted by the moderator, for the most part, Pence's was often interrupted by the moderator. And to think otherwise is to believe in a reality that does not exist. Okay. And the people that are pushing these stories know that. So don't listen to them. When the media outlets cover the fly and they cover the interrupting, you should understand that they are lying to you because if they had good points that they were going to press on Kamala Harris's behalf, they would, but they don't have any of those points because her performance was horrendous. And this stuff has reached a point of just comical derangement. The USA Today did a Twitter poll where they said who won the debate and the options were Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, the fly or didn't watch. Where's Mike Pence in that list? Because Mike Pence clearly won the debate and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden clearly lost. So is that just implying that they won? Why would a media organization do this? You know, I think that they pulled it down or whatever. Apologize for their unseriousness. But do people actually believe that? I mean, aside from any of the substance, Kamala Harris is just a reprehensible human being. She lies with a facility that should scare you. Nothing she was saying is connected to reality. It is provably false stuff. She would get asked questions and rather than answering the question, she would go tell a story that she's told a thousand times on debate stages before about how she was attorney general, some stuff about her mom, how she you know, was attorney general of the second biggest department in the country after only the United States own attorney general, which is, I mean, factually true, but that's just because California has the biggest population anywhere. You know what I mean? It doesn't speak to her qualifications or the job that she did. It wasn't like she got promoted to the major leagues from some other state. You know, it's not like you work your way up and then you get to do California. And then the, the big boss at the end is, is the U S attorney general. That's not how it works. She came up through the ranks of California. If she had happened to live in another state, then she wouldn't have run the biggest department. And she did. I'm not denying that. But it's an odd brag, okay? Because it doesn't say that she did a good job. Kamala Harris is a political hack and always has been. She got into politics by dating Willie Brown, a power player for decades in California politics, who was like 30 years older than her. He got her her first jobs. He got her paid more than she was supposed to be paid. And he has helped her climb the ranks 
in the California Democratic Party and in their power structure. And a power structure that is this corrupt, which you can see for your own eyes if you live in California. If you think that what is still happening to us has anything to do with the science or the data, you're not a smart person and you're not prepared to view reality. And that is very sad. But there's nothing special that Kamala Harris did aside from operating the levers of that corrupt power structure. Okay, this is literally the shit that like leftists talk about. And they always have the wrong people in mind when they're talking about it. It's so crazy that they actually are able to diagnose certain problems, but at the same time be so astoundingly wrong about what it means in terms of solutions and who actually is causing those problems. It's not a mystery, okay? The problems that the Democratic Party talks about constantly are consistently with and located in the places where they hold the most power, especially if it's unrestricted power, like in many of these blue cities within blue states, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., not part of a state, but very, very blue. These are where the problems are, Baltimore, Detroit. It's not because of Republicans, because Republicans do not have power there. In fact, this whole thing is about democratic consolidation of power. We talked about it yesterday, or well, I talked about it. You might have talked about it with your friends after I talk about it, or even before. You guys are smart. So Kamala Harris, during the debate, refused to answer whether or not her campaign supports the Green New Deal. Of course, they do. It says it on their website. She lied about it. Mike Pence called her out on it. Thank goodness, because the news media certainly doesn't. The moderator was kind enough to bring up the fact that it was on their website. But she didn't press Kamala Harris for an answer. Likewise, she didn't press Kamala Harris for an answer on court packing. One of Mike Pence's interruptions, a well-deserved interruption, was when he said, let the record state that she still has not answered this. And it's true, she hasn't, neither has Joe Biden. We've talked about it before. She also failed to condemn in any way China. And she immediately switched the subject. Mike Pence has no problem talking about China. Neither does Donald Trump. This entire situation is intimately linked to China and not just the coronavirus, all of it. All of it. All of this is the old guard and China. As I have said for months now, it is still true. Go back and read, or I mean, listen to the old podcast. I suppose you can read them if you go to imyourmoderator.substack.com. But I had a, I had a person uh, message me yesterday. I had never spoken to this person, didn't know the person existed. They just had found my podcast in one way or another and shot me a little note. It was very nice. They said that they had listened to a couple episodes and then went all the way back to the beginning and listened to the entire show from start to now. And 
they were like, yeah, everything you said back then totally checks out and still represents the real world now. I'm like, thank you very much. It's exactly what I'm trying to do. And the reason for that is because I did not pay attention to the central narrative. I did not pay attention to theorism. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the episode on theorism. The information was all out there. Everyone could read it. If you have the right skeptical attitude toward the information you take in, I'm sure you would have reached the same conclusions I did or similar, and that's fine. But I don't even still have a problem recommending Apocalypse Now or not Apocalypse Now. Sorry, I definitely recommend that. But even revisionist history, I wrote that in the first or in the middle two weeks of May, I wrote that. And it's now almost five months later. And it stands up. My coronavirus narrative from five months ago is still accurate. That's not a brag. I'm saying go back and look. Check me and know that the information was available to you as well. That's it. So China actually cut Mike Pence's feed while he was talking about China. Kamala was on the screen the whole time. Pence, nope. Don't believe me? You can see it for yourself on Twitter. It's on my Instagram right now. The idea that Americans are not threatened by that, the idea that they don't see that as an imminent threat to the United States as a sovereign nation is shocking. It didn't happen by accident. Why would China favor Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Well, because their priorities align almost completely. Donald Trump is right. Mike Pence is right when they say that Joe Biden has done China's bidding for the last few decades. He has. There's proof. You can hear him talk about it on video. You can look at his political positions in the Senate and when he was serving as vice president. It's all real. So after uh, the debate, I switched over to CNN for a second because I wanted to know what insane people think. And Van Jones was complaining that Mike Pence was mansplaining. He called him the mansplainer in chief. Now, I used to have a lot of respect for Van Jones. He was literally my favorite uh, lefty. You know, I like to get both sides. I want to hear the best case from both sides. And Van Jones used to make an entirely reasonable case. And I loved that. I was happy about it. To call Mike Pence the mansplainer in chief is such a complete distraction. Mike Pence was not mansplaining. He was telling a corrupt liar that they were wrong. Okay? It has no sexist element. There's none. It's being invented. 
They knew that they were going to run that narrative before the debate ever happened. They knew they were going to run the race narrative. And Kamala Harris came in prepared to give them material to do so. Meanwhile, Mike Pence acted basically like a saint. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but he wasn't rude. He wasn't condescending. He wasn't sitting there smirking and shaking his head the way Kamala was so that it was obvious to everyone. He didn't bring in lines like, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. How many times did she say it? It was so pathetic. It was such an act. And she is such a phony. I don't imagine any smart person was convinced by that. Unfortunately, the creators of culture are incredibly dumb people. And so they're saying it anyway, which again is totally unsurprising. This is what they do. So Daniel Dale, uh, CNN's fact checker, fact checked the China travel ban. Okay. And what he said was that tens of thousands of people still came in. And of course they did. They were American citizens. What did you expect Donald Trump to do? Not allow them back in the country? That's crazy. So right there, that is not a fact check. That is a diversion. Trump put the policy into place to ban non-American travel from China. He did it at the end of January. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the Democratic Party called it xenophobic and stupid. Then he banned the European Union. Then he banned the UK. Guess whether they called those xenophobic, even though that doesn't make sense. So either he passed the policy or he didn't. And if your fact check is that he didn't actually do the things that he says he did, then why did you also get mad at him for doing them? That's preposterous. So Anthony Fauci was not on board with his decision at that time. A month and a half after that, Anthony Fauci was still saying no one had to change their behavior. Bill de Blasio and Nancy Pelosi were encouraging people to go celebrate the Chinese New Year in Chinatown, in their respective cities. There is no argument whatsoever that Democrats took the coronavirus more seriously than Donald Trump did. You have to be irrational or ignorant to believe that. There is nothing factual that happened that indicates they would have been out ahead of it. In fact, the exact opposite is true. And you have H1N1, the swine flu, to look back on where uh, Obama and Biden did an extraordinarily bad job. Okay. And now let me just dispel one other point because I hear this way too much. The idea that Trump did not have a national strategy. That is on its face false. Out of nowhere, they created 
a PPE strategy, a delivery logistical strategy run by Admiral Brett Giroir. They built ventilators that are now being sold around the world. And they coordinated with the governors. And the craziest part is that they use this stuff right next to the argument that Trump is a dictator. That's odd that a dictator would refuse to seize national power. And their response is that he should have. He left it up to the states to institute their own policies. Why did he do that? Because states are different. You should be incensed that they keep using this line of reasoning. Do you think it would be a good thing right now if the rest of the country were forced to abide California's restrictions? Why should North Dakota and South Dakota and Wyoming and Florida and Georgia be forced to do what California did? This has been a disaster in California. An unmitigated disaster. The economy has collapsed. And the culture here has now become a bunch of pathetic, whining little weaklings and simpletons who can't think their way out of this. So they just run around in masks screaming the science, the science. Whenever anyone disagrees with them. The maskies, the maskies are coming. Wait 10 years and see what this mindset has done to the next generation. This is madness. The best thing Donald Trump ever did in the coronavirus response was emphasize federalism and allow the states to make their own decisions based on different circumstances on the ground. insanity and it's made worse by the fact that our health community has exposed itself as frauds and that our governors have done the same imagine we were in a position where the entire country had to be this restricted that would be a complete collapse of American society do the Democrats care they sure don't seem to so the Commission on Presidential Debates has declared that the debate between Trump and Biden next week will be a virtual debate. And Trump immediately responded, I am not going to waste my time with that, which is fantastic. He shouldn't waste his time with that. This is what Joe Biden has been aiming for. Because if you watch interviews, television interviews with Joe Biden, or when he answers questions at press conferences, he reads the answers off a teleprompter or off his computer screen as his campaign types them in. All right. There is no incentive for Trump to take this debate that way. And so, of course, he won't. Trump can have a national audience anytime he wants. Joe Biden cannot. Trump can skip this debate. It doesn't matter. He will get his way 
because Joe Biden needs to and because the TV networks need to. And I do not care about the polls. The polls are wrong. They were wrong in 2016. They got much closer as the election, as, you know, during the last week up to the election. And I expect that these will as well. But are we really all supposed to believe that 8% of the country just magically switched their affiliation because Trump said, stand back and stand by? Do you think everyone is as dumb as the people who read the news and the people in your Instagram and Twitter feeds who believe that shit? Of course they're not. It's amazing that all these pundits think they have some insight into what normal Americans believe based on polls. Imagine that your only knowledge of what normal people think needed to be passed through multiple organizations before you're told. Does that sound like you're connected to reality? Sure doesn't to me. And by the way, here's another thing connected to reality that I kind of, that I totally just forgot about while I was talking about the debates. Kamala Harris brought up the suckers and losers story where Donald Trump supposedly called fallen soldiers suckers and losers. That's preposterous. Where are the fact checks on that? They can't prove that anywhere. The article itself said four unnamed sources. Those sources have not come forward. And they have not been named. Jeffrey Goldberg, the pathetic editor of The Atlantic, said that the four unnamed sources were afraid to come forward because of blowback they would get on Twitter. Does that rise to the level of believable for anyone? The Atlantic publishes like a never ending stream of David Frum conspiracy theories. Today, Caitlin Flanagan, who I really, really do respect as a writer, and I think that she is completely off the rails now with Trump derangement. She wrote an article about how the Amy Coney Barrett uh, nomination announcement was a super spreading experiment. And it's funny that she said experiment because the Atlantic read an article back in, I think, May when Georgia was planning to open. I believe it was May 4th, where they called Georgia's plan to reopen an experiment in human sacrifice. But of course, that was forgotten about. And Georgia never had the spike that they predicted. And people didn't die, as they said which, by the way, is true of every single suggestion, every single one that has been made the entire time, declaring that one place will get worse because of X, Y, or Z, has been wrong every single time. Not one single Trump rally has been a super spreader event. If they were, we'd know about it. They're not. They keep saying it and saying it and saying it. Last night, The first question of the evening from the moderator, Susan Page, stated that 39 states are currently seeing increases in their coronavirus numbers over last week. 
But the truth is, if they all just did 10% more testing, they would find increases over last week. Because the more you test, the more positives you find. How can you know that? Because the vast majority of people do not have symptoms and therefore do not get tested. Quite a few people with symptoms do not get tested because those symptoms are so mild. And so when people have had it and the virus can still be detected for 83 days after, you get a lot of repeat positives, false positives, and irrelevant positives. We are not in some threat where coronavirus is washing over the country in a great wave. It's just not happening. And it's not going to happen. This is just total fear-mongering. It's crazy. Now, I want to talk about two more quick things. Oh, three more quick things. God damn. So yesterday, Jane Fonda said that COVID was a gift from God. Why? Because it would allow them to reorganize society the way she sees fit. So Donald Trump is a murderer for taking off his mask around no one at the White House. But Jane Fonda calls the pandemic a gift from God. Also yesterday, actor Jeffrey Wright, who has been good in some things and is usually average, called a black comic who is a Trump supporter, Terrence K. Williams, funny dude. He called him a coon. And that's okay because the good team did it. It's disgusting. And of course, these celebrities who do all this stuff, who make all these woke political posts, they turn their comments off so that no one can respond to this. So the propaganda goes out there and they don't have to deal with the blowback and they don't have to expose to their fans that vast amounts of people actually completely disagree with them. And so what does that lead you to believe? That all sorts of demographics that don't actually support Joe Biden support Joe Biden just by virtue of listening to Taylor Swift, for instance. This is a terrible feature. Turning the comments off to some people and not others is terrible. Turning them off completely is terrible. You don't want to know what people say? Turn your notifications off or don't look. We don't need the authoritarian hand of the corporation fixing this for us. The celebrities that do leave their comments on see never-ending strings of Trump supporters mocking them and saying they're not interested in watching them be inane, worthless, artless celebrities anymore. And I just want to hit one more thing, and I know I've mentioned it before, so I don't mean to be repetitive, but pay attention to the vote early and in-person line that the Democrats are now using, right? Remember, they fought for universal mail-in balloting. Now they want you to vote early and in-person. Why is that? Well, 
it's because Donald Trump's public campaign about the risk of using universal mail-in balloting, the fact that it intentionally opens opportunities for fraud, has won the narrative. And he's right. And thank goodness he said it. Because another president would have gotten scared by the media and Twitter into not saying it, into going along with the idea that the election is actually set up to be fair in these democratic states. And it is not so good for him. So then Hillary Clinton, AOC, speaking of AOC, by the way, she is so mad about the fracking thing and good for her because Kamala Harris lied about that too. She and Joe Biden have both publicly said that they definitely want to ban fracking. Joe Biden has promised to abolish all fossil fuels. The fact that they now say the opposite doesn't mean that their new plan is the plan. Just like when Kamala Harris says that Joe Biden won't raise taxes on anyone making under $400,000, that too is a lie. They can't simultaneously say that they're going to repeal the Trump tax cuts, but that no one under $400,000 is going to have their taxes raised. Those two situations are impossible because the Trump tax cuts did cut for the middle class. And of course, they can't say that and be truthful about that because then it would make it look like they've been lying about the Trump tax cuts for all this time. And of course, they have. And that was her worst moment of the debate by far because Pence kept hammering that point and she had no retort. She just stopped talking. That was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen on a debate stage. It was phenomenal. I tweeted right then, Kamala Harris just lost the debate and the election. And I'm sure that's true because Americans can see through that bullshit. But back to the vote early and in person thing. So they want you to vote in person now because they know that they have completely screwed the pooch on the universal mail-in stuff. They've totally exposed themselves. But why early? Well, because they are riding what they believe to be a high point right now, if you listen to them and believe them or believe the polls. But that's not going to stay because there is no way that the real world isn't going to prove to Americans what they should do by Election Day. I'll be back tomorrow at the same time reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to more hopes fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm your moderator. If you have feedback, you can email Hey moderator at I'm your moderator.com or use the hashtag Hey moderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable.
Smith acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!